Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 28 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today we're going to thank God for one of His greatest mercies and expressions of love. Correction. Let me ask you a question. How many of you that were here with us when we prayed that prayer for humility that have since then been placed into very humbling situations? Perhaps you did nothing wrong and people unjustly rose against you and you had an opportunity to rise up in pride and defend yourself or to bow in humility and pray for their soul. Or perhaps the Lord began to expose something in you. Perhaps he brought correction and you had to choose to harden your heart in pride or humble before the king. My friend, I tell you, he does it in love. Because he is a good father who wants the best for his children. And he's not willing to leave you where you are when he knows you can have more. But in order to be increased in the things of the Lord, we have to decrease in the things of this world. In our own pride. In our own minds. In our own wills. You see, the devil will tempt all men in three areas, just as he tempted Christ in three areas. He will tempt you in the area of your mind, in the area of your will, and in the area of your emotions. And in all three temptations, your response will determine whether or not God will trust to pour more of his grace upon you. This is why even Christ was led out into the wilderness to show us by example that God will allow us to be tempted in these areas to test our response because when we prove that we are willing to respond correctly in faith and in humility, humbling our own minds, humbling our own wills and humbling our own emotion, bringing them all into subjection, into captivity unto the will of the Lord. Then it says, just as Jesus, we can come out of that wilderness. We can come out of that temptation in the power of the spirit. God wants to pour more grace out on you. The Bible says that he pours more grace upon the humble. Therefore, do we have to go through some humbling situation, some opposition, some correction, some reproof? Because you see, the Bible says that we are born babes in Christ, but that we grow in grace. And the way we grow in grace is that we die in the flesh. The more we are humbled in the flesh, the more we receive the power of God. In my weaknesses is his strength made manifest. So my friend, if you prayed that prayer with us, that we might walk in greater humility so that we could receive greater grace, which is favor with God, power, and the divine influence of his spirit in our life, then since you prayed that prayer, you either have been reproved or you will be. It's coming. But if you have been, or if you've been in a situation where you had to hang your head and just pray to keep your flesh from rising up, but you chose to humble and trust in the Lord, or to stand in faith on the things that he had spoken to you when others rose up against it, because that is a humility too. 
that the world can sometimes see as pride, but I'm not talking about moving in your emotions or just standing on what you think is right. But when you have sought the Lord, but when you have responded to that humbly with an honest prayer, God, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to lead others astray. I don't want to do anything unless you tell me to. Please show me what is your will. That is a response of humility also. Because sometimes he will show you. And you've got to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and stand in faith on that. Even when all the world comes against you. But in like manner, sometimes we have acted in the flesh or by the impulsive leading of another spirit. And the Lord has brought revelation and correction to that. And in those cases, we've got to humble ourselves, repent and get back on track. Because my friend, I'm telling you, he's doing it only because he loves you and he wants to take you deeper. And so I tell you that the circumstances that you have been through are because God loves you. And because he wants to increase your humility so that he can release more grace to you to manifest through you for others. Remember, my friend, I've told you before, we have to have Passover before Pentecost. We must be humbled before we are exalted. The devil will try to tell you you can do it another way. You can get the power in a way that you don't have to go through the humbling, that you don't have to go through the crucifixion, that you don't have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, the lust and the afflictions, the pride of life, that you can get there and everybody still love you for it. But it doesn't work that way. The anointing will only flow through those who have been crushed. You must go through Passover before you can get to Pentecost. You know, the Lord spoke to me one time while I was going through a very heart-wrenching trial. And very often, the Lord will give me these words, words of loving correction and direction that no one else wants to give. But because he loves his bride, because he loves his children so very much, then as a loving father, he wants to keep them on the path of righteousness. Because the Bible says, without it, we cannot see the Lord. So the Lord will give me these these words and I will weep and I will pray them out and I will cry them out and I don't want to deliver them any more than Jeremiah or anybody else did. But ultimately in obedience and love for the Lord and love for his people and that he might receive the reward of his suffering, I humble myself before the Lord and I give the word. And then I am despised and rejected for it. And so then I came back to the Lord after one of these instances and I cried out before him as I've done many, many times. And he spoke a word to me that so blessed me and changed my perspective. He said, child, because I count you a friend and want you nearest to me as possible, I love you enough to bless you with the trials of great reward. I understood what he was saying. Because I knew that he was saying that because he loved me, that he wanted me as close as I could be. He wanted me to have the best reward, the best position in eternity. Therefore, through love was he taking me through these trials that would then impart to me these great rewards. Because, you know, Jesus' message on the Beatitudes, blessed are they, in all of those things that he says brought blessings are things that we would try to avoid. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the poor in heart. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those when men shall revile you and hate you and persecute you and say all manner of evil thing against you for my name's sake. For so persecuted they the prophets which came before you. 
Rejoice, I tell you, for exceedingly great is your reward. Sometimes, my friend, you're going through that trial because you loved him enough to stand true. And he loved you enough to bless you with the trials of great reward. Because he is providing you with opportunity for greater position in eternity. But it all depends upon your response. I love the first verse in the second chapter of Habakkuk. When the prophet says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. You see, the Bible says that there is no temptation that is not common unto men. We all face the same trials. We all face the same testings. We all face the same humiliations. The question is, how do we respond? Do we harden ourselves or do we humble ourselves? This prophet said that he would wait to see what the Lord would say to him and then wait to see what his response would be to it. I'm here to tell you this morning, my friend, that it really doesn't matter so much that you messed up and God had to correct you. What really matters is how you responded to that correction. We see this in the stories of Saul and David. God loves a repentant heart and will exalt the humble, but he resists the proud and will depart from them. If we are truly his sons and daughters, then we will face correction from the Lord because he is a good father and he desires to direct us to greater things. Remember, the Bible says that if we be faithful in the little, he will make us ruler over much. But we cannot be faithful in the little unless we are teachable because he is trying to teach us how to rule over greater things. But unless we humble ourselves, we cannot be taught. And if we will not learn, then we cannot be trusted with the greater things of the kingdom. If you respond to the correction of the Lord rightly, it will enlarge you. Therefore, it is not something that he is doing because he despises you, but because he loves you and aspires to bring you to greater depths. Thank him for his correction. When we look at the stories of Saul and David, we can look at Saul's sin. Saul was told to go and to fight this battle and to not mix at all with the enemy, not to bring them into his camp, but to destroy all that was wicked and vile and sinful and not to take any spoils from it because he was to teach the people to discern between the holy and the unholy, the clean and the unclean. He was to teach them that these detestable things were not to be embraced. He obeyed the word of the Lord partially, but not completely, which in God's eyes is still disobedience. He did not destroy all of the enemy. He allowed them to live. He allowed them to mix and to mingle. And he allowed the spoils of war to be taken. And not only was this directly against the word and will of the Lord, but it caused the people to not see the sin and the wickedness and the idolatry for as vile as it was in the Lord's eyes, the Lord had said, do not touch it. And he allowed them to embrace it and bring it in to his camp. And so the Lord sends his faithful prophet Samuel with that word of correction. Oh, the prophets whose job it is to bring correction and direction to the church that they might get back on track, that they might walk again in the paths of righteousness, in right standing to the will and word of the Lord. But old Saul, he did not receive the correction of the prophet. 
he hardened his heart and he stood in pride and arrogance and tried to make excuses and tried to justify why he was not wrong. He did not seek the Lord. He did not seek repentance. And so the prophet delivered the word of the Lord and he told him, because you have rejected the word of the Lord this day, the Lord hath rejected you from being king. And at this point, Saul began to repent and cry out for mercy because you see, Saul was not so concerned with displeasing the Lord as he was with losing the kingdom. And we can see this paralleled even today in ministries when many a minister try to do things their own way. They try to compromise. They try to yoke up with the things of the world. They don't follow the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit in its entirety. They try to be friends with the world. And God sends a voice to warn them, to get them back on track because he loves them. But they will make excuses. They will justify their choices and their decisions until the spirit of the living God is so grieved that it departs from them just like it did Saul. And when they realize they've lost the anointing, then they begin to cry out and repent. But they're not repenting because they lost their relationship with the Lord. They're repenting because they lost the kingdom. They're not repenting because they lost the Holy Spirit. They're repenting because they lost the anointing. God will not accept that repentance. It is with selfish intent and prideful motive. It's not the proper response. And then we see a story in David's life where David commits what we might think to be a far greater sin. He has an adulterous affair. He steals a man's wife and then has the man murdered. Surely the Lord will not forgive David for such a grievous sin after his spirit departed from Saul for simply rejecting his word. But you see, it wasn't the initial sin that caused the spirit to depart from Saul. It was when he rejected the word of correction through the mouth of the prophets. It wasn't because he messed up and needed correction. It was because of his response to the correction because David's response was very different when David messed up God gave him the same grace that he gave Saul he sent him a prophet and when the prophet Nathan stood before David and pointed out his sins to him and how he had grieved the Lord and brought reproach upon his name David's response was humility David was not worried with losing the kingdom David was not worried with losing followers. David was not even worried with losing face. David was worried with losing God. He fell on his face and he repented and he cried out and he said, Oh God, I have sinned against you. I have hurt you. I have offended you. Please forgive me. It wasn't about the kingdom. It wasn't about the power. It wasn't about the fame. It wasn't about the attention and it wasn't about his reputation. It was about his relationship with God. David humbled himself immediately to the word of the Lord by the mouth of the prophet. And God accepted it. He gave the proper response. He responded with humility. And the Lord exalted him. Thank God for Nathan. My friend, there's a few things we need to take away from this story. And it can all be summed up in the phrase, thank God for Nathan. Because Nathan could have been killed for being willing to speak this truth to the king. To point his sins out to him. Nathan risked his very life to deliver the word of the Lord to a man that his soul might be saved from hell and all those of his congregation. 
Let shame and reproach not be brought upon the name of the Lord. And because of Nathan's willingness to preach against sin, David was saved. David cried out, O Lord, return unto me the joy of thy salvation and take not thy Holy Spirit from me because he knew that it could be taken because he had seen it depart from Saul. God will not be mocked. We must humble before his correction. So to the Nathans out there who are willing to preach against sin and in love show people the error of their ways that they might be brought back to the path of righteousness, I encourage you today that the Lord is using you for a mighty work. Where would David, where would his congregation, where would the nation have been without Nathan that day? And for those of us who have been corrected, I implore you today to thank God for the Nathans. We need to pray for and thank God for the Nathans in our lives that are willing to speak reproof to save our soul and correct our path. Thank you, God, for the Nathans in our lives. Because it is God's greatest love and mercy to send a prophet, to send a preacher, to send a word of correction, to send reproof that we might be brought back into right standing with him. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivereth them out of them all. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Because the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Because all the blessings, power, and provision of heaven are reserved for the righteous. Therefore, we thank God for the Nathans that are willing to correct our path and help us to get back in right standing under the covering and protection of the Lord God Almighty because that we walk in righteousness. Because when we step out of alignment with that, we step out of protection. We step out of blessing. We step out of provision. We step out of destiny. Proverbs fifteen thirty one says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise, but he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction in wisdom. But before honor is humility. Underline that in your Bible. Before honor is humility. Passover before Pentecost. Humbling before exalting. Temptation in the wilderness before coming out in the power of the Spirit. Because whether or not he trusts you with the greater things of his kingdom depends upon your response. Are we going to be prideful and defend our will, our thoughts, and our feelings? Or are we going to humble under the mighty hand of God? Are we going to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done? Are we willing to humble? Because when we are, then he will honor. Then he will pour out grace. Then he will empower. Then he will trust us. Because that is a sign of maturity. And as long as the son is a child, he is no different than a slave. But when he is mature, he has all the power and authority of his father's house. Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whosoever loveth instruction loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. 
and I would say childish. Again, God is trying to mature us spiritually so that he can trust us with greater things. In 2 Thessalonians 2, it says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. They would not receive the truth with love and appreciation because that God was trying to get them back on the path of righteousness. Because of this, they perished. This is what happened to Saul. Don't let it happen to you. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. What happened to Saul? The Holy Spirit departed and an evil spirit came upon him and began to confuse him and incite him that he began to work against God's will instead of for it. The Bible says once that the unclean spirits have been cast out of a man and that after a while they'll come and if they come back and find the house empty, he'll come back and take seven more of his friends with him. Now this is very significant because what this is talking about is a man who has been delivered but when these spirits come back, they find the house empty because they could not come back and take over that house if the Holy Spirit resided in it. But because the house was found empty, they come back seven times worse. And this is what happened with Saul. When the Holy Spirit departed, evil spirits came in to take its place. And it's interesting that it says specifically seven more because we can see through scripture and maybe we'll cover this on another day that there are actually seven characteristics or seven spirits that are encompassed within the Holy Spirit. The book of Revelations talks about the seven spirits that stand before the throne of God and then the Old Testament prophets actually clarify what those are that they are all encompassed within the Holy Spirit but are characteristics of the Holy Spirit being the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, spirit of counsel and so forth and so on. So having said that, we can see that this spirit that comes back in once the Holy Spirit has been departed and the house is left empty, that comes back with seven more friends. It is a wicked, vile counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. You see, Saul didn't give up his throne right away. He didn't give up his pulpit. He continued to function as leader over this congregation. But he was moving by the leading of another spirit. And it was slowly bringing him farther and farther into delusion. And the most astonishing thing is that the Bible actually says that these evil spirits that vexed Saul were sent from the Lord. It says the evil spirit from the Lord vexed Saul. It was a judgment for pride. Because that Saul chose to listen to the leading of that other voice, God turned him over to it. And so do we see that paralleled in Second Thessalonians. When it says that because they would not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness my friends it's not so bad that you made a mistake and God had to correct you what determines how good or bad it is is your response to the correction when it comes do you love to receive the truth or would you rather take pleasure and pride in your unrighteousness I tell you, my friends, that God is love. God is a good father and God desires great things for his children. 
The Bible says it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he does leave the choice up to us. We have to choose to respond in humility because he can only pour grace upon those who have humbled themselves. The Bible says that he giveth more grace upon the humble, but the proud he resists. When we stand in pride, we set ourselves in opposition to God and we cannot be led of his spirit. And if we do not quickly repent, that spirit will depart and be replaced by another. In fact, Jesus told one of the churches in the book of Revelations, repent quickly or I will remove my candlestick from you and then I will come to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. It is a serious matter and we need to take it seriously. God loves us. And he gives us the way of escape. He shows us the right path. He is willing to teach us with love and mercy and compassion. If we will but humble ourselves and receive the direction and the reproof of the Lord. Hebrews 12, 5 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto us as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening or the correction of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Don't give up, don't quit, don't freak out when the Lord rebukes you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. The child that he loves, he corrects, because remember, he wants to bring you into greater things, but you can't go into deeper things if you stay where you are. He can't make you ruler over much until he's first taught you how to effectively rule in the little that he's given you, and he can't teach you if he can't correct you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastised and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, every child of God gets corrected. He doesn't hate you. He's not coming against you. He is trying to elevate you, but it can only come when you humble yourself so that he can teach you. The response makes all the difference. And we see this in the very next sentence when he says, if conditionary, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Let me tell you something, my friend. If you're not being corrected by the Lord, you're not saved. If the Lord is not teaching you, correcting you, and directing you, and bringing you into deeper things, and stripping more away from you, and showing you how to rule in the greater things of his kingdom, if there's nothing growing in you, then you are already dead. You're not actually even saved. Because it says that all who are truly sons, he corrects. Because the Holy Spirit's purpose is to teach us, and we cannot be taught if we cannot be corrected. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, our heavenly Father, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. My friend, God's job is not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. Just like a good father's job 
is not to spoil their children and give them everything that they want just so that they'll be pleased in that moment. But his job is to make them good, productive, respectable people. And sometimes that takes correction. God corrects us to bring us into holiness. Now God makes it clear that he understands our position because he continues to say, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but it is grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. In other words, God's saying, I know that it's not pleasant for the moment. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be chastised. Nobody likes to be reproved. And I know in the moment it's not pleasant, but after that you have endured, after humbling, there will be honor. After you learn these lessons, then you can produce the fruits of righteousness. I'm bringing you through this so that you can walk in right standing with me and produce those good fruits. I love it when he says, so lift up your hands, which hang down in the feeble knees. In other words, stand up straight and quit pouting and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. This is why he's correcting you because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And the only way to produce holiness in a person's life is to correct their path to cause them to move out of unrighteousness and into righteousness. God loves us enough to correct us that we might be saved and brought into his kingdom. He's not willing to let you stay in your error. It says looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. In other words, he's telling him very clearly, stop pouting. Don't take offense to the correction. Don't let bitterness or strife or envy rise up within you because it will pollute you and poison you and then it will come out of your mouth to defile everyone around you. Take the correction. Humble yourself to it. Thank God for it and march on, weary soldier. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's trying to teach you so that he can trust you in his house with his people walking in his authority, using his name. Humble yourself and grow in grace. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, like David did. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God, you are so merciful. God, you are so good to be so patient with us. God, we thank you for the corrections that you have brought to us. 
for the reproof that instructs us in righteousness and holiness and teaches us how to be set apart holy unto you for your purposes because without holiness we cannot see the Lord because it is your will you said be ye holy as you are holy and you also said that only those who do the will of the father will enter the kingdom of God therefore do we see that without holiness no man shall see the Lord and without correction we will never walk in holiness so we thank you for it God we thank you for the Nathans who are willing to preach against sin, who are willing to show us the error of our ways, who are willing to put the mirror before us that we might see ourselves the way we are, that we would be willing to humble ourselves before you and cry out, oh Lord, change us, save us, we repent cleanse us with your blood set us on the path of righteousness show me your way teach me your way Jesus you said that you would send us the Holy Spirit that he would be the spirit of truth and that he would lead us into all truth that he would teach us so God we thank you and we sit here humble before him that we not grieve him and make ourselves teachable that we might grow in grace and be found trustworthy to use the power and authority of your name to walk in the greater things of God. We thank you, God, for the Nathans that were willing to come, even though he knew David could have risen up against him and cut him down and taken his very life. But he was still willing for the love of God and the love of souls and the love of your name. Because sin and error bring reproach upon your name, he was willing to speak the truth out of humility and obedience that others might be able to humble themselves and come back to the path of righteousness. God, we thank you for the Nathans. We pray for them. We pray you strengthen them. We pray you encourage them. We pray you gird them and protect them. God, we pray you raise up more of them. God, we thank you for them. Lord, we thank you for all of the things that you show us daily. God, that you have not given up on us and that it is because of your love that you allow us to face these trials of great reward. God, I thank you for the rewards that you are helping me to store up in eternity because of the things that I've walked through in faith and obedience to you. God, let every heart say, God, thank you. I thank you for the trial. I thank you for the testing. I thank you for the stripping. I thank you for the correcting. I thank you for all that it is that you've done because it's brought me to where I am. And I thank you that you're going to continue because it's going to bring me further. I thank you for the reward that it's building up for me in eternity. I thank you, God, that you didn't let me stay where I was, but that you continue to push me because you have a position in eternity of which I am in an audition for now. Oh God, if this life is but a job interview for the positions we will gain in, in eternity, then I say, push me, push me, push me, Lord, because I want more. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to see others brought into holiness and bearing the fruits of righteousness. God, I want to see a people bringing glory to your name and not reproach upon it. God, give me the word to say and the strength to say it. 
Give us the faith to not make the mistakes that Saul made in thinking that we could do it another way, that we could have a little mixture, that we could please the people. Because Saul's sin, according to the scripture, is that he was more concerned with pleasing the people than with pleasing God. He didn't want to offend the congregation, but in doing so, he offended you. And then in trying to defend his defense of the people, he offended you even further in the spirit departed and it went to David oh God but when David found out that he had offended you he didn't care about anything or anyone else he fell on his face in humility before you and repented God show us the power of the right response that we would rather stand with you and be judged by the world than to stand with the world and face the judgment of Almighty God. We have to do it your way and no other way. We humble to it. Teach us your way. God, we are correctable. We humble ourselves to acknowledge that we need your direction because without it, we cannot walk in right standing. We will walk right out of protection. We will walk right out of glory. We will walk right out of providence. We will walk right out of provision. We will walk right out of your will and therefore out of destiny. God, correct us. Keep us on the path of righteousness. We thank you that you don't want us to miss it. We thank you for the love of a father that wants the best for us. We thank you for your mercy that speaks it to us. We thank you for correction. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.